0: Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 43. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, Ma. And with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman.
1: Hello, Christina, and greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I am Dr. Glenn Woolman, and along with uh guide you, Uh, Today, as we travel through the healthcare galaxy in search of uh, ways towards optimal health. Mm. Mm. That's the
0: direction we all want to go, especially starting this year, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, Every year. (laughs) (laughs) Every
0: day. Every day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, We always want to be there, except most people just want to be there, but don't do enough actively or proactively to actually be there until they're actually not there.
0: Until they... (laughs) <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> a little yeah. roundabout way, but you're absolutely right. It's it's yeah. uh um I, we get so busy in our daily lives that we just take things for granted, don't we?
1: Yeah, especially health and it's fascinating to me that the the one most important thing we take for granted. And I guess part of it is because our bodies for the most part are really so good that they do take care of themselves.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, they have so many great systems that as long as we do a few little things, uh, then uh, it takes care of itself. So we put it on a back burner all the time and don't do too much. Although I I have to say that I think uh, my experience now is there are a lot more people that are being conscious of health and doing more things towards health uh, and its uh, I think it's important because uh, the authorities aren't necessarily in that same uh, ballpark. So we have lots of things around us that could be better uh, and maybe someday will be. But I think it really is up to us to have a big shift. I think the the consciousness has always been oh, good, there are doctors, and oh, good, there are healers. Mm-hmm. So if anything goes wrong, I'll go to one. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it takes away some of the responsibility of of taking care in the meantime and doing many things to be well.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today as a medical guide. When I was in emergency medicine, I loved emergency medicine, the kind of things that we saw and the things that we did, uh, and I believed that there was no other specialty that I could do that would give me as much joy and happiness as being in emergency medicine. I looked at all the other specialties and we you know have interviews with all of them, and I'm glad they're all out there, but i I couldn't see myself doing any of that and when I changed from emergency medicine Uh, I had to look for other areas of joy and uh, happiness within the practice, and it's uh, really good. Uh, I'm really enjoying the concept that there's so many other parts of the healing system, not necessarily uh, a different specialty that I'm talking about, but different parts of health that as a medical guide I can become uh, proactive with people and all the way from birth and maintaining health or regaining health or, uh, anything to do with the whole process of health and healing. And that's what I wanted to talk about today a little bit is, uh, doctor's appointments. We all, uh, sometimes eventually have to have a doctor's appointment and, uh, there are different ways I think that we can approach the doctor's appointment. And that's what I would like to talk about today, if that's all right with you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that's so important because I, you know, um, so many people really don't know, uh, Glenn, how to, um, be prepared before walking in. And, and I, and I think, uh, Depending on, on what has happened before, if they even had seen doctors before. I know a lot of adults who don't like to go see doctors, period. Um, how do you know what to get ready and, um, how to prepare, what questions to ask? I think this is a, a this would be great for you to go through that for us.
1: Well, yes, uh, hopefully. Uh, like, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah I'd like to give a a few uh opinions and tips for people, and I'm breaking it down into different types of appointments a little bit. I'm sure there's some that i have would will not cover, but for the most part, I think I'll cover certain things <laughs> One thing that is clearly most important uh in a in visiting with a doctor. What I've found in my life is that it doesn't, it really doesn't matter whether you're a person with limited medical knowledge or you're a person who's uh, a physician trained in emergency medicine and as a medical guide. When you go into the doctor's office, some mental process happens where we go into a different state of mind. Uh, for various reasons it has to do with patterns of behavior and uh, how you deal with stress and things like that but what happens is <clears throat> time seems to slow down you get tunnel vision um, you get selective hearing you get selective memory sometimes you even lose logical reasoning and even speech sometimes uh, when you go into uh see the doctor this whole transition takes place and i know it because it's happened to me too i've gone in thinking i wanted to discuss certain things and at the end i walk out saying wow i completely forgot about that (laughs) so it it really becomes uh important to uh prepare yourself for the visit and this means basically an organized plan And so what I would like to do today is kind of break it down into a few different types of visits, and there are certain things that are uh, standard for all of them, but uh, there's some things that are unique to each type of a visit. And again, as I'm saying, there may be things that I'm missing or leaving out. We can certainly talk about them if you have some questions or in a future chat, but the first the first one is just a general checkup with a primary care physician and i'm not and i'm not going to get into how you pick your physician or anything like that there's so many complex parts now to insurance companies and healthcare plans and everything but uh this is going to be the assumption that you're going to see a physician for the first time uh, and you don't really know who the physician is. you may have heard about them, or a friend or relative has suggested them, or your insurance plan has them. But when you walk in for your appointment, it's always good to come early to your appointment uh One of the reasons is is that there's a lot of build out and these these are usually general forms that uh are standard in most uh doctors' offices. They will include things about your medical history, some contact information, some insurance information, etc. And one of the first things I would say is that if you have an appointment with a doctor, uh, let's say it's a month away or three weeks away, you may try and get in touch with their office. And see if there is paperwork that has to be filled out, and maybe they could fax it to you, mail it to you, you could come by and pick it up. Some offices are actually doing proactively and just sending paperwork to uh, their new and prospective clients or patients. So... If you can get this paperwork ahead of time and do it at home in a much more relaxed uh, atmosphere and also where you might have a lot more of your information, that's a good thing to do because especially if if you have a complex history, you may have a lot of information around you that in the moment uh, in the doctor's office sitting in the waiting room with a lot of other people and they're asking you when was your this surgery and and did you have this disease? What medication? And you're not remembering all the medications. So it, if you can, I suggest trying to get the paperwork ahead of time. It also starts getting you more interested in your own health and figuring out exactly what this is about, what this visit is about. Usually it's just kind of a, a wellness visit, things like that. So uh, if you have... Are changing doctors, or if you have old medical records, you may want to talk to the uh, office manager or the nurse manager and see if you should bring those records in. <clears throat> now, in the future, you know, and it's somewhat in the present, but we we're starting to develop electronic medical records, and as we get more into technology, you know, we have we'll have thumb drives with all of our information on them that you'll just have to plug into a computer. And the only thing that you would be responsible for really is to keep all of that information current. But in the meantime, while we're still doing paperwork, um, it's a good idea to try and have some of that done ahead of time. As sometime we may even have a chip inserted under our skin, you know, like a uh, tuberculosis, <laughs> <laughs> a, a TB test or something like that, where. They'll just have to scan over your forearm, and they'll have all that information.
0: Well, they do that with animals now. Yes, they do. Right? They they insert it <clears throat> in the back of their neck, and all they do that's all they do is they scan it, and all the information comes up.
1: Yeah. Uh, it also helps. You know, some of these are for finding the animals too, uh, and we may be doing that as we have more and more of our elderly with Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, we may be putting chips into people with a GPS device (laughs) to help find them. So when you do get, um, into the doctor's office and you go through the paperwork and you get ready, and of course you may be putting on that cold gown, make sure it, uh, it's open in the back, not the front. (laughs) I think that's a very important tip. And, uh, you'll be sitting on that, uh, cold white crinkly paper. When the doctor comes in, they usually there's an introduction, and they try and review your paperwork quickly, and then they sit down and they take a history on you. And the history is your medical history. Uh, and right now, again, we're talking about just for a wellness visit where you don't have anything wrong. That'll be another appointment. But this is just a general history. Then they'll do a physical examination on you to – to develop baselines about learning you as their new patient and you as their doctor, seeing how they work and how everything works together. After, after the history and the physical are taken, then it becomes really important. You start to have a dialogue with your doctor. And this I think is really where things, uh, have the opportunity for you to have a good appointment. And this is what I'm looking at, uh, more critically than filling out paperwork uh, take advantage of this opportunity for the dialogue and establish begin to establish a philosophy and a communication uh, regarding you and your own healthcare. how you want to be and let the doctor know how you want to be in in terms of medicine and health do you want to be passive and just wait for things to happen, and you'll make appointments if something's wrong? Or do you want to be proactive every year, and uh, do you want to do certain types of tests that are more proactive to see if things are happening uh, before things go wrong? A pap smear is a perfect example of that. Uh, A colonoscopy may be another example of that. Routine laboratory tests and and periodic uh, chest X-rays, some of these things are we might consider them uh, proactive. Uh, and then you can figure out with your doctor how proactive you want to be. For example, uh, when we go to the doctor's office, usually they take vital signs on us, what we call vital signs. And that's things like temperature, blood pressure, pulse, uh, rate of breathing, uh, pulse oximetry, blood, etc. But those are all Those are all at rest. You're sitting in the office or you're lying down. Things at rest. Sometimes you may want to get a little more active and say, what happens to my blood pressure when I exert myself? Or what happens to my pulse and my breathing? Uh, Maybe you want to get some tests done to see what happens not when you're at rest, but when you're exerting yourself within the doctor's office. Uh, to get a little bit more information because this could lead to things that you might not find at other times. For example, uh, heart problems, what we call angina or angina, where people have uh, limited uh, artery supply to their blood vessels in their heart, but when they're quiet and resting, there's enough blood supply. But when they get active, there's a little less blood supply, a little less oxygen, and you start getting pain in your chest which goes away with uh, relaxation and rest again but some of these things some of these things could be tested when uh, you're in the doctor's office to see we call sometimes we call them stress tests Uh, there are also different types of blood tests that could be taken we all look at cholesterol now and we all know our high density lipoprotein and low density lipoprotein and we're quoting our numbers and bragging in the gym of what our cholesterols are and things like that. But there are even more sophisticated tests that will tell you even more about your cholesterol. Do you want to be that proactive or do you not want to be that proactive? And it's important to make those decisions not only uh, just based on your own health care, but it also they can get expensive. And also, what are you going to do with the information once you get it? might not be something that you want to do anything about anyway but again in your discussion with the doctor in the dialogue if you have family history of certain problems you may want to become more proactive in those areas and uh, less proactive in other areas it's also an opportunity to discuss uh, preventive medications or preventive medicine Uh, do you want to get vaccinations uh, for certain things, depending on your age, uh, childhood vaccines, travel vaccinations, or, or influenza's, depending on your health at that time. It's important to, uh, have these discussions with your doctor at that, at that time. Um, another area to look at with your doctor is to consider, uh, whether or not your doctor believes in integrative medicine. Uh, you know, if you believe in it and you want your doctor to believe in it, this is the time to have that discussion. You don't want to find out where at some point where you go to your doctor and you casually mention, well, I went to my acupuncturist and you hear the doctor say, you went to an acupuncturist. I, I can't have you as a patient. I don't believe in anything else except Western medicine. And I, I can't have you as a patient. So it's a good idea to have that discussion and see what they believe in and see if you can uh, work with them and make sure that in case you do go to uh, someone who's in integrative medicine that your doctor will be okay with that. Um, Also thoughts about vitamins and supplements and herbal remedies. You know, sometimes you want your doctor to know, how you like to react. If you get a cold, do you want an antibiotic or do you want to be taking teas and herbals and things like that? So it's very important to have that discussion. And then one of the real important discussions to have with your doctor is about end-of-life decisions. So many of us don't have that discussion. And to me, it's fascinating because we all are going to come to an end-of-life Every one of us, we're all terminal. And it's a good idea to have some kind of a plan. You want to know that your doctor knows your feelings and how you want to be treated if something goes wrong. If you get into an accident, you're in a coma or you you go into uh, a coma for a different reason or you're near end of life. How aggressive do you want uh, your doctor to be when you go into a hospital? And there are forms that you can fill out, and these forms you should discuss with your doctor and make sure they're available for people to see, uh, such as a paramedic that might come to a a house when you or a loved one has a certain problem. And certainly, clearly, those end-of-life decisions need to also be discussed with uh, family and family members, and make sure that your family knows how you feel about this and what you want even if your family wants different things for you uh then it's still important for you to have this information lots of different forms are out there and some of them are very simple and some of them are really uh detailed even to things like what music you would you might like to be playing uh, at a certain time during uh, a crisis so there are many things that could be done Uh, that you need to talk about with that. And another thing in terms of communication is how do you communicate with your doctor when you're not in the doctor's office? This I think is very important. For example, you leave the doctor's office and, uh, they told you something and an hour later or a day later, you don't remember. What do you do? Or if something happens uh, a week later or, or a month after you've seen your doctor, How do you communicate with your doctor? And this is what you should find out. Should you be able to call the doctor and speak personally? Should you call the nurse manager or the office manager? Sometimes if you have questions that you would like answered but you don't want to take the doctor's time, maybe you could work out a relationship where you could email your doctor. There are many doctors now that give their email uh, address to their specific patients. and. Usually within a 24-hour period, they will get back to you. So sometimes you don't need to talk to your doctor, but you de- do need to have uh, answers. And you want to find out the, way to, uh, the best way to communicate that makes it uh, good for your doctor and good for you. You also want to be able to contact your doctor in an emergency. How do you do that? And what if your doctor is away uh, when you have an emergency? Uh, you should kind of... Get an idea of what hospital your doctor would like you to go to and uh, who your doctor might work with in terms of an emergency if your doctor is away or if you're traveling. How can you get in touch with your doctor? All of these things are part of this doctor's appointment. Another thing, and I know I'm giving a lot of information here, but I guess that's one of the reasons we record this so people can... uh, go over it a few times. Uh, sometimes it's good to know when your doctor goes away, who takes call for that doctor. This may You may find out that it's a doctor you used to go to and you don't like, and that may be an important conversation to have. Doctors nowadays, uh, because things are getting so complex, we have a, a new specialty uh, called hospitalists, and these are doctors that take care of people mainly in hospitals. We're finding now that your own doctor may not admit you to the hospital anymore. So you've been with your doctor for a very long time and now you have your heart attack, a very scary time for you. You go into the hospital, you're hoping you're going to see your doctor, but you end up with a hospitalist because your doctor doesn't work in the hospital anymore. It's important for you to know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, I would like to stop at that point just for a few moments other than leading into the next process of specialty consults where you would talk with your doctor about consultations if you had a, a special problem if you're and you had a problem with your knee and you needed surgery the primary care doctor is not going to operate so you want to have a little discussion with your doctor about specialty consultants uh you might find You want to know, can you bring your own in? Do you have to go to theirs? These are all the kind of things that that original and initial dialogue help to make your appointment and your future relationship with your doctor really prime. Mm. So basically, uh, prepare a list and that's getting ready for that appointment. So does that bring anything up for you at this point or would you like to go ahead?
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Because I I ran into a situation, um, just last week where not only is the doctor in the hospital, um, different when you go in there, but also when you leave the hospital, there's a follow up, um, a follow up clinic where it's like between your primary care and the hospital, which is another doctor that sees you. So uh, that was a new one for me, uh, that I encountered last week.
1: A lot of medicine is changing like that, the uh, whole role of physician and patient and where the doctor is uh, <clears throat> within your own health issue, where your own doctor is. It may come to a point where nobody has their own doctor anymore, and, and it's all uh, just uh, whoever is there at the time, just just like in an emergency department. Mm. Go in, and that's the doctor that's there. Mm. That, well, it may be okay because that doctor there, you may get a great doctor that day. Right, right. So so this is all part of it. But the more that you're doing, you are doing for your own health care, the less opportunities there are or needs for a doctor. And also uh, health, if you get sick or injured, you still were in the best health minutes before that. Mm. So that's um, a good
0: uh, Glenn, I also wanted to tell our audience today that, uh, if you have any comments, um, do type them into the box that is on the website there. If you scroll down from, from the screen that you're, you're watching us, um, there is a little comment box there. And if you, you can submit your question and it will show up on my screen and I can just uh, share it with Dr. Woolman here and,
1: uh, he
0: can give you the correct answer.
1: <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Hey. Right. Okay, we can move on a little bit. Mhm. So, the first was and again, these are my ideas of what the appointments are about. Other people could come up with other categories, but I just wanted to figure something out for us here. The second type of appointment or another type of appointment is when something is actually wrong. You know, the first appointment was just for a wellness check, but if something is actually Actually wrong, it's an emergency or a non emergency well if it if it is an emergency, then hopefully you've had the dialogue with your doctor and you know what to do and if it's sort of a non emergency you've got this pain or you feel a lump or this lesion showed up, and you want to see your doctor for it so there's a specific reason that you're going this time <clears throat> so again. The doctor will sit down with you, and you'll probably still have to fill out more paperwork and things like that, maybe not as much this time, uh, but things about your uh, present illness or present uh, chief complaint is what we call it. And again, the doctor takes a history and does a physical examination. And within this process, the more clear and accurate you are in terms of your information, Uh, the more likely you will come to a correct diagnosis more quickly and potentially with less expense. Uh, I suggest uh, one of the things that you do is at my website, uh, if you go to my blogs, there is a blog entitled, I Don't Feel Your Pain. Uh, It might be good to read. But uh, when you have a problem that you want to see a doctor for, one of the things that I recommend Is as soon as you have some kind of a problem, suddenly you're in the shower and you're examining yourself and you develop or you notice a lump for the first time in a breast or in a testicle, or you notice uh, a lesion on your skin somewhere, or you have something going on, but it isn't quite something that you want to run to the doctor for. You want to watch it a little. One of the things I suggest is go get. Uh, a notebook, and start a little journal on that issue that you're talking about, and write the date, and what you found, where you found it, and, and other things. Add as many things as you can to the possibility, describing it in terms of a location. How does it feel? Uh, does it hurt? Not touching it. What makes it hurt more? What what relieves the pain? And then as you're watching it and as you're following it for days to weeks, depending on the uh, type of emergency, keep notes on it. You know, two weeks later, the lump got bigger, and now it's this size, uh, and now it's moved over, now there's another lump. Uh, Again, do you see anything else with it? Does the skin around it seem sore? Is it red? Is there some kind of a lesion that's breaking out around it, these kind of things. Any information that you can keep that would be accurate would give your doctor a lot of knowledge that they would have to try and find from you that takes a lot of time. And if you have this information available, they can get right to the point and maybe hone in on a diagnosis much more clearly. Uh, So do you have any question on that, Christina?
0: No, I think that's a great idea because I know that's always been very helpful for me. And and the only reason why I know to do this is because of my history of uh, medical situations when I was young. And, you know, you walk in and the doctor's always going, when did this start? (laughs) What did you see first? So, you know, because of that, from a really young age, I started to take notes on it and dates, times, things like that. And I even do that for my child all the time.
1: Right. You know, even if I, it,
0: even if it doesn't lead to going to see the doctor.
1: Yeah. Now I will say that in my career, I have seen people with uh, obsessive compulsive disorders uh, <laughs> that have that have written and given me uh, uh, twenty pages on their bowel movements. <laughs> you know, or today's bowel movement, twenty pages. So it can become a little extensive try and make it so that the doctor can read it and you can explain it within a few minutes just to have a, a good picture of it. Mm-hmm. Another important thing to do, which I really recommend for everyone, uh, especially if you're going in because something is wrong, is sit down and write a list of questions. Carry a Carry a little notebook with you so that You know, while you're planning on going to the doctor, you start talking with friends and inevitably you say, oh, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow. My knee's been hurting. I felt a pop and now I can't extend it. And inevitably, one of the people you tell is going to have an experience that is in their mind similar. In the. Uh issue that you have and they'll start giving you information some of it may be good some of it may not but if they have some things that are good or questions that you might want asked uh, write those down and have that list of questions either prepared and bring it in with you or again as we said before if you can fax it in or mail it in to your doctor so they can look at it ahead of time but if not, bring in that list of questions. And after the doctor starts doing the history and the physical, uh, have that list of questions out. There's a probability, and most likely, your doctor already knows most of the simple questions that are going to be asked. And within their own dialogue and conversation, they will answer many of the questions that you're hoping to have answered. So as you go along uh, and they answer a question, check it off. And at the end, if you see certain questions that have been checked off, you don't have to go over them again unless you're still not quite clear. But if there is something else uh, or a question that has not been uh, checked off, then make sure that question is answered. No matter what, make sure those questions are answered. It's extremely frustrating to go out of the doctor's office for the visit and then your spouse or loved one says, well, what did they say about this? Oh, now you don't know what to do unless you listen to this lecture and you have uh, <laughs> the other answers from uh, appointment one. So it's always good. Now, you can al- also consider bringing a recording device. Sometimes people do that, but I really do think that it's very fair that if you are bringing a recording device, please inform your doctor that you're going to be recording it so that you can remember. And most doctors won't have problems with that, especially if you tell them that. You can certainly uh, come with a friend or a family member, and that's uh, and sometimes though even the friend or the family member may go into that same mind state that we talked about before, that hypnotic state. Once you're in a doctor's office, where things change, and you you either don't want to ask questions or you're fearful or you're you're only hearing certain parts. You know, as soon as somebody hears, for example the word cancer. Uh, sometimes this is where their hearing goes bad and all logic goes wrong. You don't hear anything after that. It's blah, 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 blah. I have cancer. I have cancer. I have cancer. And you didn't hear one word after that. So it's very important to be prepared for that. Uh, you need to, when you go in because something is wrong, for this type of appointment you need to have an understanding of what is wrong and if you don't know what is wrong sometimes the doctor can say oh this is obviously this is we need to send you to the dermatologist they'll freeze it and you'll be fine it's very superficial and you don't have to worry about it or they'll say something else and they may not know what's wrong yet so if they do not know what's wrong and you're trying to find out what's wrong then the next thing you need to ask them is okay what are the next steps do I need lab tests blood tests urine tests certain types of uh imaging studies a cat scan an MRI an ultrasound uh so you want to know what the next steps are and this depending on this is you also may want to know what the treatment is you need to be informed. If they do know what's wrong, then you can get right into the diagnosis uh and then the treatment options. But if they don't know what's wrong, then it might not be the opportunity to specifically speak about point. It may be one step ahead of the game. But if you do know what's wrong and, and the treatments are available, then it's very important to know a lot about these treatments. Be very informed about that. Uh, You also want to make sure that when you're making these decisions, you have to consider what you will do with the findings. And this is very important. You know, if you're, and I'm not necessarily stating age as an important factor, but if you're near the end of life and, for example, you have headaches and there's a possibility you have a brain tumor, But you're going to say, well, if I have this brain tumor, I'm not going to operate. I couldn't handle the operation anyway. So then there may not necessarily be a need to make the diagnosis. And these are things that you need to have the dialogue with your doctor because you need to consider what will what you'll do with the findings. And sometimes what I'm talking about now may have to do with a loved one. You may be bringing someone else in. And you may be the caregiver. So this is an important thing that you should be thinking about. Consider what you're going to do if you find out what is wrong. Uh, and it's always good to know that there are different choices that could be made. And, and this is where the alternative treatments come in. Uh, you can talk to your doctor about that and and see how they feel about it and just make those kind of decisions. Uh, one of the things that you can do, getting back to that list and the questions, is if you do have something. For example, let's say you're going to a dermatologist, skin uh, check is going on, and especially in areas that you're concerned about that you can't see as well, draw some pictures. Draw two stick figures, a front view and a and a back view, and every place that you have an issue, you have a sore elbow on the left side, you have a sore knee on the right side, you have an inflammation in in your big toe on the left, and you have shoulder pain uh, in the back on the right, make little marks on these stick figures and include that with that list of questions so that when you are... Going over things with your doctor, you can make sure that, oh, we we discussed this, 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 and this, but we left this out. So now I want you to look at this for me before we go. So that's a very important thing for you to uh, work with. And I think that's that's the second appointment. So the first, again, is just the general wellness. Second is there's something wrong. Any thoughts or questions before we move to a third type of an appointment?
0: Well, a comment did come in, Dr. Woolman, saying great advice because I always leave the doctor's office with unasked questions. So journaling is a good way to keep your focus while in the office. There you go.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I thank you for that uh, comment. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, as I said at the very beginning, I don't care who you are. When you get into that office, things change. And sometimes you forget, and you need to make it a complete visit. You don't want to leave there with unanswered questions. I mean, there may be those, but uh, you want as much information as possible, and your doctor wants to be as helpful as possible. So let's move on to the third type of uh, office visit, and this is a, a consultation with a specialist or for a second opinion. And let me make a comment about second opinions first. I don't always believe that you need to have a second opinion in all cases. I believe that if you have a really good relationship with your doctor and your doctor is telling you something and it's something that they can handle and you have faith and trust in that person, I don't always think there's a need to get a second opinion. Uh, Sometimes a second opinion can cause more anxiety and stress than than what it's worth. But it's a good idea to have the discussion with your doctor because, uh, you know, you just may want that. And many times nowadays, doctors even uh, suggest a second opinion. And in this particular case. Uh, if you're going for a second opinion you then get to make choices do you want to go to a doctor that your doctor is recommending or do you want to go to a doctor that you've heard about that your doctor doesn't know or a specialist somewhere else so these are things that are good to have as discussions with your doctor making sure that uh if you do go to a, another specialist that uh that opinion will be uh listened to by your primary doctor and that they will also talk together and work together. Usually physicians, if they go for a second opinion, when you go to see a specialist, uh, your doctor may have already called them and given some information saying, "I'm sending you someone. I would really like this. Uh, this is what I think is going on and please help me you know in your specialty. And they will usually communicate. But that doesn't always happen. So you have to, again, be proactive and make sure that both doctors are communicating and they're either agreeing or disagreeing and you understand exactly why uh, they're agreeing or disagreeing. Remember, as you start uh, going through this process, you're becoming more aware that you have something wrong but you also have to realize that you have choices and this is very important so many times when people get sick or injured they feel that okay i'm putting myself in the hands of the doctor or the healer or the specialist and they're going to do what they do but you have choices uh you don't have to do anything you can do something and if you do uh, choose to make other choices. There may be alternative therapies based on your religion, your culture, uh, things like that. So there's always choices and you need to keep that in mind and make sure that, uh, your doctor's aware that that's how you feel and that's how you're being proactive in, uh, the process. One of the important things is to be knowledgeable or try and get as much knowledge as you possibly can within the whole process so that when you're hearing about decisions and second opinions and choices, that that you basically also have an understanding of them to a certain degree. If somebody wants to operate on you, uh, there might be three different ways they could operate and you may want to find out all the different ways. Or there may be combinations of surgery and radiation or surgery and chemotherapy, number of things that uh, need to be addressed so that you have most informed consent. Um, there are different options that you can have. <clears throat> Make sure that you're in the loop with the doctors. And it, it may not be that after your visit with the specialist of the second uh, opinion doctor, you may not see them anymore unless you're deciding to have them take care of you because your primary care doctor wants that to be that way. But you may end up going back to your primary care doctor and make sure that they, uh, they work with you and tell you what's going on and, and explain to you exactly what the second opinion was if you didn't get it. I also always say to people that you've got to do your own research, see what else is going on out there. We have the internet now, so you can always look at places like the National Institute of Health or the, uh, or the CDC. Number of things like that can be taken into consideration. Not necessarily that you're going to do it, but at least you'll start getting knowledge so that when you're having conversations with your doctor, or surgeon or healer, you can come in with other information that maybe they're not aware of and that they might be able to help on your behalf. There might be things that we call clinical trials, for example, with certain types of illnesses that are being done in specific areas that are not out to the general public yet, but they're still in some form of a trial. Uh, you may feel that you want to get involved in that. So I think it's important to have all of this information and know it and put it in a, in a perspective based on what you actually have and what your diagnosis is. That's the third type of uh, appointment, a, a second opinion or a consultation. Any thoughts?
0: Well, that is a uh, uh, mouthful of information you just gave there. Glenn. It's like, I don't think I could type fast enough making these notes. I almost feel like publishing my notes now. <laughs> yeah. Here is your checklist for appointment 1, for appointment 2, and for appointment 3. <laughs> More. There's a fourth.
1: Oh. Fourth and a fifth.
0: A fourth and a fifth. Oh boy, we've got move on it. I mean, <laughs> it's
1: like... All right. Well, uh be quickly about the fourth type. The fourth type is usually a follow-up appointment. In other words, you went to your doctor because you had really bad sore throat or an abdominal problem uh, and they wanted to put you on medication for it let's say you're recently found to be a new onset diabetes or you had an appendicitis and you went in and you had surgery and you went home and now you're having a follow-up appointment Uh, so you've had some kind of a treatment and you've had a little bit of time the, the only thing I would say in this type of appointment is to be very active and be very accurate with your doctor so that they know what worked for you and what didn't. Let's say you had abdominal surgery, for example, and they sent you home with pain medicine and medicine because of nausea. So you want to go back to your doctor and say, that pain medicine was really too strong. I didn't need that or it was not strong enough or it was perfect, but the nausea medication, it didn't work at all. All it did was make me dizzy and lightheaded, but I still was sick. So that way the doctor has an understanding, okay, this is what they tried with you, which usually works with people, but in your particular case, uh, this doesn't work. So they will put that in their notes about you, and so that if things happen in the future, for example, you might be Going to the hospital for something, and your doctor is not going to be the doctor taking care of you. It'll be that hospitalist that we mentioned. Your doctor still will probably be in communication with the hospitalist, and they may at that time say, Listen, uh, last time uh, my patient had surgery, I gave this pain medication, and it really worked well for them. No side effects, and the pain was good, but the nausea medicine didn't work. So that's a very important one. Uh, I think just Give them good, accurate, right information and tell them how you're healing. Whether or not, you know, if you had knee surgery, how is your rehab going? Are you moving too quickly? Are you moving not quickly enough? Have these uh, conversations. Tell them if something went wrong. You know, sometimes if something critically goes wrong, uh, you're going to be in touch with the doctor right away. But I just spoke with someone yesterday who had a clavicle fracture a collarbone fracture and uh, the surgery went well but uh, a few days later they couldn't move their right their hand none of the fingers would move and they made the decision not to call the doctor but just to watch it and work it out and over time it did get better But if you have a a follow-up appointment, you want to mention that to your doctor. Maybe they're doing something or maybe they could find something that they can change within their own practice that uh, will prevent that in future patients. So uh, you're doing a service to everyone when you are accurate and telling good stories about what's going on in your own healing process. Uh, So that one's uh, kind of a simple one. And I don't have too much more in that follow-up. Uh, any questions from you before we get into our fifth and final appointment?
0: No, I I do believe you've covered every point there. <laughs> <laughs> I can always count on you to be so thorough.
1: <laughs> well, the fifth type of appointment is uh, the most interesting for me in a different way. And this is for people... And and I know there aren't very many of these. These are people that don't believe in doctors. These are people that don't want to go to doctors. These are people that just don't like to be involved in medicine. They're scared of of doctor's offices and appointments and things like that. And they don't want to go for doctor's appointments. So this is, uh, and I'm calling it a type of an appointment for a very specific reason. If you make the decision to be your own doctor, then i suggest that you take it very seriously and that you actually become your own doctor so when you are going to be your own doctor you should actually make appointments for yourself and you should sit down at that point with your list of questions and with your list of healthcare goals and things like this and and decide this is what i'm going to do for my healthcare. and you can look at some of the things that i always talk about in terms of nutrition and exercise and stress management and sleep management spirituality patterns of behavior and look at yourself and see take an assessment of yourself and decide how you are and then make some really good decisions about how you're going to move forward and become active in that and when you do this Uh, make sure that you treat yourself as your doctor with the same type of qualities you would want in a doctor. So in other words, you would want your doctor to be knowledgeable. So make sure you have knowledge about yourself and your anatomy and a little bit of physiology and how the immune system works just a little bit. Make sure that you're current and you're treating yourself appropriately with current types of treatments. Uh, You want to be discerning just because you have a cold and you met someone uh, at a bus stop or in the gym or in the uh, pharmacy section of the uh, food court that uh, they give you some kind of a treatment. Oh, yeah, I had the flu. You should take two shots of tequila. And
0: <laughs> you'll be better. My kind of doctor.
1: No. <laughs> yep. Well, if that's... Um,
0: then- in my day, it was uh, an ounce of brandy.
1: Yeah there's uh you know again this depends and uh folklore and mm-hmm. I mean we come from the world of chicken soup.
0: Mhm. Oh yes.
1: So it's very important be discerning, you know you just don't want to run out to uh, a health food store just because someone says, "Oh yeah, this this is really great. I had I had a cold once and I took this and I got better instantly." Uh yeah, that might be true and you may want to look into it but if you do go to a place where they sell remedies and things like that you may want to try and talk to someone who's knowledgeable there mm-hmm. so within the qualities be thoughtful and compassionate to yourself i think that's very important many times we're not compassionate enough to ourselves and uh i think this is a very important quality we would want it in our physicians there's no reason we shouldn't have it in ourselves especially if we're going to be our own doctor and as a Slight plug for all of us, I think if you're if you are going to be your own doctor, then I highly recommend watching uh Trinity and Magical Medical Tour and flowing with Anuntara because <laughs> things come up uh in all of our different episodes that are certainly good for self healing and self awareness. Uh, sometimes self-diagnosis and treatments. So I I really suggest that uh, people watch some of these, and especially one of the things that we just recently did, uh, the best of 2012 healthcare tips uh, from Magical Medical Tour. Uh, I think if you haven't watched that, I would recommend that to everyone. So, Sort of summarizing the whole process right now, we could have a little discussion. I think knowledge is always the first thing that we need to talk about. Awareness of what's going on is the next thing. Develop your health care plan. Know that you have choices. And if you do all of these things and, and follow in the direction that uh, we spoke about today, there is a possibility that when you have your next doctor's appointment, it'll be meaningful It'll be effective and possibly even rewarding, although most people may not believe that. And how can a doctor's visit be rewarding? I always think it is. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would like to just leave with everybody today. And if there's anything we want to talk about now, I'm happy to do that.
0: Um, Glenn, I do have a question, you know, uh, especially when it pertains to our elders, because I work so much with elders, as you very well know. Um, and when they go for appointments, uh, you know, it's, uh, quite often their span of, you know, retention of what is discussed, et cetera, is, uh, not, uh, they, they just don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel uncomfortable, you know, generationally, they feel uncomfortable taking notes right in the office. They feel uncomfortable bringing in a recorder you know, because it's, they just feel uncomfortable. These are not the the way they would do things. They come from a generation where they would come into a room and uh, the doctor tells them what to do and they leave. <laughs> they don't know the questions to ask. They, you know, they, they may not even think of anything like that. What do you suggest in this case?
1: Uh, get a medical guide. I always... Uh... Suggest that to people, but i always I also suggest that if if that person has an advocate, you know then that advocate might want to go with them, or that advocate might want to have a discussion also with the doctor, letting them know that the patient's uh or the relatives uh mental status is not as sharp as it used to be, although they still believe it is that you would like to be able to either come in for the visit or send in a recording device, or uh, give a call to the doctor yourself afterwards, or have the doctor call you afterwards, or send a note home. You can also uh, get copies of of things from the doctors. You can get an operative report if you had surgery, uh, a pathology report, many of these things. But I suggest that if, if it's an elderly person who really believes that there's still sharp as they were at a certain point and obstinate, uh then you have to let them do what they do. Uh if they won't allow you to come in. But if they will allow you, then you should be there with them and and make that list of questions with them. Sit down before the appointment, discuss it and say this is why we're going in, grandpa or uncle or dad or uh mom or whoever, these are the things that I want to ask them on your behalf. Are there any other questions that you might want? To ask. So you could go in there in that respect. The other things that probably might happen in the future might be uh, appointments, might not even come with the elderly. I think Dr. Beth Nash, in one of our uh, talks uh, last year, talked about how some appointments may come from the home. There might be someone who just can't get out anymore. Uh, but they're still relatively healthy, except they just can't make it to the doctor's office. There might be Skype visits and, uh, or some variation on that, whatever the future version of Skype is. Uh, and you may be able to be there sitting next to your relative while the doctor is having this discussion with them. But it's important, uh, if you're concerned about your relative that answers need to be had, and communication is the biggest way to do that so you have to set that up and it might be that if going back to say the first type of appointment with a new doctor you may go with this doctor and remember i said have the dialogue on communication so if you're the advocate for the elder then in that dialogue of communication, you make it clear with the doctor, I'm going to send my uncle in alone because he wants to come in alone. But at the end of this, I would like to have a discussion with you so that you could tell me uh, what's going on and so that if my uncle has any questions uh, when you're not around, I will have those answers. How do we go about that?
0: Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it, it is also, it's a very fine line of balance with uh, many people and, and I know a lot of people who are taking care of their elderly parents now and they're going through the same thing. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, a little bit of task. You know? <laughs> um, also, I wanted to, to let our audience know, uh, Glenn, I don't know if you'd ever heard of the Amber Alert? Mm-hmm. It's it's that little device, uh, you know, they've got the Amber Alert that they have that is on the freeways and things like that, that they notify people of child abductions and things like that. Well, there's also a little, um, uh, almost like a little computer thumb drive that we have in Shop Yoga Hub, uh, which is Amber Alert, which is also under my child's ID. And it's not just for children, it's actually for the whole family, where, you know, you you pop in uh, the person's, individual's picture, their medical history, uh, everything about them, their weight, their size, everything. Because during any kind of emergencies or any times where you need to um, give information, whether it be to the police or to paramedics or to the hospital, when it's an emergency, it's really difficult to think straight. It's like what you said about that moment when people hear the word cancer everything just floods their mind about cancer and everything else gets all blurred. Um, this uh, ID, which is in the shape of a little elephant, so you can't mix it up with your other ID, you know, your other flash drives or anything like that, can plug right into any computer and the history of that individual will come up. So that might be an idea for those of you who might have a family with lots of children Uh, Or any elders, um, it's always great because we never know what can happen at what time in our lives, and and to be able to communicate to the fullest of you know uh, our you know it's it's like your notepad, but you're actually typing it in to this um, this ID.
1: Right, and it's very important. Again, going back to one of the things I said uh, near the beginning, if you do have some kind of a thumb drive or an amber alert, that you've got to keep it current. Yes. uh, you know, suddenly uh, your child who is seven, when they turn eight, develop an allergy to something. But up until then, they didn't have that allergy. And you have to remember that that needs to be changed and updated in the Amber Alert or in any of your medical information. Because if, they, if the doctors get that information and it doesn't have that update, they may end up doing something that uh can cause some type of an adverse effect
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh it, yes, all of those things have to be updated It's like even the the little notes for for the for anyone who is always on medication right <laughs> keeping that on our the updated version in our wallets is so important, isn't it
1: yeah and 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 the other part is that end of life process mm-hmm. I- I see so many times that a couple will have the good discussions. Some couples are afraid to have the discussions, uh, but some of them do have the discussions and they have, they've made the choice. I don't want any heroics. I don't want this. When it's time for me to go, let me go. I'll be very happy. And they, they both agree on that. And then in that one moment, hmm. where suddenly somebody stops breathing or they're having pain. They'll call nine one one. Is okay to do, but then it's a good idea to uh, then step back and let them know that these are s- some of the decisions, the directives, the advanced directives, and a number of other things. So that's important. But don't be afraid of those either. Don't think that because you have an advanced directive that you can't change your mind or you can't uh, change it or do other things or that, oh, once I have an advanced directive, they're going to let me go so that they can have my uh, kidneys or they can have something else. Well, you know, that doesn't always happen, especially if someone is a 98-year-old. I'm not sure that we want their kidneys.
0: <laughs> so, really?
1: <laughs> so don't don't worry and think that because you have it, it has to be the law. It's something you can always change, but it's a good idea to have conversations about it mm. anyway. Now, the doctor's appointment is a very interesting process in our world, and it's going to change over time. I mean, we've seen it now where the doctor's appointment, you you can hear everybody say this, oh, my doctor only has seven minutes for me,
0: yes.
1: or 10 minutes or something like that. So it's really important that every bit of that time is is for your benefit and efficient, and as I said, rewarding. So the more things that you do actively to have it happen correctly, the better appointment it's going to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Glenn Wilman. I think we're come up right up against our hour here, so I, I don't want this to get cut off during the podcast.
1: <laughs> Rubbing against. Well. Uh, I'm grateful for all of our viewers and our audience and for everyone involved in Magical Medical Tour. Uh, I'm thankful to all of my healers and my teachers and sharing their wisdom and helping me in my journey. And I would like to say to everyone, uh, I look forward to getting together with you and Christina uh, next week with a very special guest as we explore another galaxy and until that time i wish you all optimal health
0: and thank you dr glenn woolman for all this incredible jam-packed thorough advice that you've given all of us it's it's always such a pleasure to just have you as our guest and of course we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us and supporting us in this new platform of education information no, We are always very grateful for your continuous support, and we look forward to hearing from you on how we can support you better. We're excited to announce that you can now access Magical Medical Tour through iTunes, and I do believe that there is a button now right on the computer screen that will link you directly to iTunes, um, and uh, please uh, take a moment to also rate the show uh, through iTunes. We would be very appreciative of that. And uh, Trinity of Life now has begun to upload those podcasts in there as well. You know, we invo- invite you to join us live every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1.30 Eastern Time for the Magical Medical Tour. Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, followed every other week with our show, Blowing into Awareness with Anatara. You can also be in touch with Dr. Glenn Woolman at myyogahub.com forward slash On Twitter, his Twitter handle is at Glenn Wollman. And of course, through his own website, glennwollman.com, where we do recommend that you check out and learn about his metaphor square breath. Until we meet again, namaste.